You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Masako Miki. Masako, thank you so much for being with me today. Hi, thank you so much for having me today. Masako, we're going to talk about the Empathy Lab, uh, which is your show now at, at Ryan Lee, and uh, the show is running through the mm-hmm. end of the month to June 30th. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about this. I, I, maybe we should begin with the title because it's such a wonderful title, and, uh, <laughs> and of course the show is filled with all these, you know, characters in a sense. But Empathy Lab, mm-hmm. um, can you tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about that that title? It, in one way, it seems obvious, but but perhaps not. What is empathy lab mean exactly yeah so i think that um you know a lot of actually my work every single piece i have a uh my titles are pretty important for my work and i never have a piece that says untitled um and then so the the show of the title um the empathy lab i think um is sort of it's a sort of idea that I've been contemplating on for a long time, and it, and in one sense that it's sort of it's a signifier of all these sort of ideas that I'm trying to express in my show and and my my work uh, as an artist. So you know, I think the lab is a place where we experiment, right? Um, and it's you know it contains the idea about the unknown. And it's something that's not quite there yet. So we're trying to produce more of what we're experimenting, what we're researching. So in my sense, this exhibition title, I think it's my hopeful sort of, um, uh, yeah, I would use the hopeful. I I think if we can produce more empathy (laughs) among us, um, I think that that's, that's good. <laughs> it gets good for us, you know. Uh, we needed to be reminded of of this, like a best characteristic of a human being um, that often seems to be forgotten uh, or buried. So that's why um, the sense of producing more of these positive, optimistic sensibilities that we all can benefit from. Uh, that was my idea about the show title. I like that. I like that. And and so to talk about the whole installation, I want to talk about the individual pieces, but the the show had a really Mm -hmm. interesting installation, which is, you know, there's there's sculptures, Mm -hmm. there's paintings, yet Mm -hmm. in one corner there's kind of um, a a platform where, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a cat, there's a painting, there's a few other sculptures, Mm -hmm. but the platform has what looks like a, a tatami mat on it. Can you tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about that part of the installation of the show? Because it seems to really set it up as almost a, a home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for um, mentioning that. Uh, and then, you, you know, use the word home. Um, so generally my work, I do a lot of installation um, exhibitions. So to me, it's a very powerful way to connect with the viewers um, because in the installation, you can make it very immersive. Um, and every kind of a, uh, exhibition has a different way of connecting with the viewers. And this time, I was really trying to respond to the architectural sort of like space of the gallery. 
Um, I did the first project with Wyoming two years ago, and I've already kind of felt like, wow, this feels like a residential. You know, it's a third floor with the big windows, and, you know, there's a layout of the rooms connecting. So it feels like it's like a apartment or somebody that can just, you know, it's a residential feeling. So um, for this show, I wanted to create um, sort of domestic space um, where it's where the tatami mats are there, and um, I mainly I wanted to create this Angawa deck. It's the wooden deck, basically, but it's a very uh, unique uh, architectural element in traditional Japanese housing, um, and uh, you know, in a Western um, architecture. You know, there is a wood deck, but I think a main difference is that the deck is separated from the living quarters sometimes, um, but the Japanese deck is always connected with, it's a part of the house, and it functions as a between spaces. Um, it connects the, um, the interiors and an exterior, and a lot of time it's more about seeking the connections with outside and nature's. So it's that kind of a synthesis of the, uh, uh, in, you know, in, interior and exterior. So I was kind of envisioning the gallery space as a domestic living quarters in the, in the back of this, uh, the gallery area. And then the sculptures that I placed them, they're meant to be a small garden that's attached to this uh, uh, Japanese housing. So you're viewing out of the sculptures, um, and then I created this uh, sort of a very abstract horizontal line on the wall that also um, suggests there's more outside. Um, so that was the idea about it. And in the domestic area, I was inviting people to, um, you know, take off shoes and, and come in and spend time and lay down and... Um, I want people to sit on the Angawa deck because that was a really important part of the show. Um, I can talk more about the Angawa ideas, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm glad you did that. Yeah, I'll ask you more about that because that's, yeah, I really like that, that, that aspect of it. And, um, and so to talk about some of the works that were, were right away on there, there's paintings in here, there's mm -hmm. sculptures all around, and they're arranged in such a way that... that it, it feels very intentional in that they have um, mm -hmm. a story to tell or, or almost that they're talking to each other. Right near the, yeah. the, the, the area that we're talking about, the deck, there's a, a painting called uh, Offering. It's mm -hmm. a haunted field of flowers from, from this year. And, uh, uh -huh. and I love this painting. At, at once it looks, it looks almost um, decorative in its, in, in its beauty and colors and pattern. But the idea mm -hmm. of also a haunted field of flowers, of course, has a very different mm -hmm. meaning, you know, and, um, <laughs> and the, you know, and, and kind of one that I've never heard of. It almost sounds like a like a children's story that I've never heard of, uh, <laughs> but, but but also something, yeah, uh, a, a bit scary. Yeah. Can, you, can you tell me a little bit about that painting? Because that's that's also right above the deck in this kind of uh, living space, almost as you say. Yes. Um... Absolutely. So the painting, I started the series offering maybe two to three years ago. I made the first uh, painting of offering, 
And those two two things that was really inspired me to, to start the, the series. And the first was, um, you know, I think we experienced this kind of social collective death uh, because of the, uh, we had a COVID, we also had a Black Lives Matter movement, um, we also had a lot of, I, I'm based in the San Francisco Bay Area and there's a lot of Asian hate crimes around here. And there's this sort of, this, uh, the idea about seeing in public of, you know, police brutalities and we, we witnessed this, um, uh, uh, the, the, the death that we, we're still dealing with this social injustice and, uh, the racism that's deeply rooted in this country. And, um, I was really just, frustrated and devastated and you know I think I was so affected by that um, and also at the same time um, my personal um, experiences of uh, my my father passed away around the same time and um, it was a really difficult experiences because uh, um, I stayed there I was in Japan uh, being with him the last three months of his life, uh, he died from cancer. Uh, but it was it was really painful to see the loved one just suffering every single day and in, and every minute. Um, so you know, there's a lot of like personal connections about you know the, the idea about death and life and death. Uh, how it's it's. It, it's so difficult to explain it, but I, I really had this kind of deep connections about life um, because of seeing him passing. And um, we went through the uh, Buddhist um, ceremonial uh, funeral, and uh, this is my first time going through every single process. Um, so I... We took him to the um, the crematory furnaces, and I put him in the furnace, and I saw him came out as a skeleton, um, and then I have to pick his bones, um, place in this ceramic uh, container, and that's the ritual of the Buddhist uh, traditions. Um, and then we took his his bones to the the temple that he asked us to, to take. Um, so there's a whole ritual of, of just seeing him in, in such a way, um, losing loved ones. And there's a private sort of sense and also in the public. Um, I, I really have to make, uh, I have to kind of make paintings out of that. And the one particular instant was that my mother was really obsessed about Find the fresh flowers for my dad. Um, it was she was a little bit obsessive. Um, every single day, I have to take her to the flower shop, and she insisted to buy fresh flowers. So his room was filled with the flowers, and at some point, that it just looked a little bit menacing for me because there's so many of them. Um, and but also that was a way of offering. It was something that the the you know, the one who's still alive could do for um, the ones who passed. And so the whole experience 
you know, I think I just digested and I made it into this painting of sort of endless flowers. And, you know, I feel like offering is a, such a generous offer to, to one another. And, and I think we always enjoy receiving flowers from somebody. So this kind of simple gesture can be something very extraordinary and also very healing. So, um, and that's the kind of, a, that's the starting of the offering series. Thank you for sharing that with me. And, and um, I just <laughs> want to say, I'm, I'm also sorry to hear about your, your father's passing <laughs> and, 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 and that's such an mm-hmm. extraordinary story, really. The, I've never heard of that Buddhist ritual of, of um, you know, putting him into the oven and then actually picking up yeah. the bones afterwards. That seems... Yep. Um, that seems traumatizing. That seems beautiful in a way too, but but that seems so but, extraordinary. Um, yeah. But but absolutely traumatizing. Um, it's um, yeah. I just you know when he was dying, I I just he reminded me somebody that I know. It's like I couldn't pinpoint like who is it. And then at the end, I oh that's a skeleton. It's the skull that I've seen. Um, And and this is really, like, I can speak right now with the sense of humor, but at the moment, I was devastated. I I was just completely traumatized, like you said. Um, But it is the tradition of Buddhism because the idea is that, you know, letting go this physical being is the last desire that we believe. Um, You know, so there's um, that idea about this ritual that, again, kind of help us to, to, to kind of move on. Um, and as a Japanese person, like, you know, I don't, like, we, we, we go through different religions, you know. We're born as a Shinto. We become Christians when you get married. And at the end of the life, we become a Buddhist because, you know, we deal with death with the Buddhist rituals. Um, and, you know, but it, it was really interesting to see that, you know, it's real. Like I, I just saw myself that oh, I will look like that at the end, you know. So it's really, in the sense that I experienced the real death. Um, the question really became about life, like what I should be doing right now. Um, you know how how I spend time and how do I contribute to um, to the, the place I live right now. So it was a really. Um, it was a really important uh, experience for me of, of that, my personal and also simultaneously seeing this ongoing, um, just the, the awful sort of situation that we have to witness. And we're still dealing with it deeply, so. Of course, yeah. Well, you know, that's that's so, um, that's so <laughs> interesting and, and, and really kind of... Um, you know, powerful and beautiful. I, I want to talk about the other work in there because there's a, yeah. a whole kind of family of characters here um, of, all different, <laughs> yeah. of all different types. They all seem to be talking to one another. I want to talk about a few of them. There was this one, a small blue one called uh, Sashiko Ghost, Little Stabs. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It says this is also a traditional Japanese embroidery. You know, to me, this looks mm-hmm. very much like a, like, like a character, a figure, though, of course... Um, <laughs> You know, you'd have to guess at exactly how that comes together, but it feels like a living form <laughs> to me. But this is also yeah. a, a traditional form. What, what does that mean exactly? What is the traditional form? 
So, yeah, so all my sculptures are uh, shapeshifters. Um, I reinvent or invent the shapeshifter as a character. And, you know, in Japanese folklore, shapeshifters are uh, kind of animistic mythological figures um, that's in our folklore. And we grew up with this, this notion. They're, they're around. Um, and um, so essentially, like you said, I'm building characters for the, the stories, the narratives I'm building. And this particular one I was inspired by um, the sashiko embroidery is something that's very, it's for ordinary uh, people. We, uh, we use this sashiko embroidery. It's a very simple stitches, basically, the white stitches on the indigo dyed uh, cotton cloth. Um, we use it for uh, decorative patterns and make it beautiful, but also make the, the fabric more last longer so that it becomes more sturdy. Um, so um, I wanted to create this uh, uh, kind of a shapeshifters of that, the cloth. Uh, and then the idea definitely rooted into um, the idea about this particular shapeshifters, we call it, uh, it's a discarded object. Uh, and animism, we believe every single being has an entity and spirit. So like things around us, this inanimate object has a spirit. Uh, so the story comes from that. So a lot of sculptures that I make are basically discarded anonymous characters uh, in the folklore and the mythologies in our lives. So the Sashiko embroidery shapeshifters, um, I thought it would be kind of fun to imagine these figures, you know, if they became like a figurative, <laughs> you know, even though those are like fabric with the stitches, and that's that's what I ended up with. <laughs> yeah, that's and and little stabs though it's called is the title. Uh, it's called sashiko, and that sashiko it, translates to literally like a small stabbing. I see, and mm-hmm. um. And so there's one other one that I wanted to also talk about, which to me seemed very different than the others, um, almost almost surrealist, but it's called holographic entities reminding mm. of the universe. And, and this is also, you know, not as, as soft as the others, a very different material. Um, yeah. So enigmatic. This one also looks, uh, <laughs> yeah, like a creature and not like a creature, or like a or, or yeah. an entity, um, perhaps. Can you tell me a little <laughs> bit about this one? Yeah. So um, again, this is a um, this one didn't I didn't have a particular characteristic or like a visual reference, like a sashiko embroidery, um, but this I I have a lot of. Uh, shapes and a motif and a drawing that I use a lot for my sculptures. And uh, eyes, open eyes, closed eyes, extended legs, um, or extended hands, they appear in my drawings. And uh, I, I wanted to create a sculpture piece using a motif from the drawing. And uh, uh, I think it has a sort of surrealistic kind of a uh, references, um, but also these, I think it became uh, the unique shapeshifter I invented it. 
Um, and the, the title, again, referring to um, about this animistic folklore in, in Japan. Um, and in and, and my work at the end, it's, you know, it's really about myth-making. Like, uh, I, I want to create the new mythologies. And these are essentially characters that I feel it's a powerful character that reminds us of things. Um, so this particular bronze piece, it's actually a bronze piece. It looks like a stone, but it's a bronze. <laughs> and I'm so proud of this piece. It's a brand new piece. I'm so excited about it. Um, but, you know, I think it, it has a lot of like a viewing point. Um, the upside down U shape creates the sort of frame of windows and an eye has a circle where you can see through it. So it's sort of about framing uh, the view in a, in, a, in a different way. And my work is um, deeply influenced by a lot of ideas, especially semiologies, uh, semiotics, um, structuralism. So I think that the idea about you know, how we perceive the reality I think we just we we all have a different frame to understand the reality. So I think that piece came from that idea, um, and also the title, uh, the holographic entity, is a, a, a sort of word that used explain a Shinto animism. Um, Shinto animism is not about the escapism. Uh, it really it's. It's more like an Aristotelian, more Buddhist idea that there's no place other than this place to go. You know, so I think if everything is a holographic entity points where it's reminding us this is what we have and this is a reality. So it's a really grounded piece in my in, in, in this series. Um, so that's why it made sense to use the uh, the bronze uh, with the weight. Um, but also I'm creating this uh, uh, um, almost like altered uh, textures and surface um, as it, it looks like something else that's not bronze. Uh, and I'm combined with the wooden uh, plinth which I designed. And I think it, it has a different presence um, compared to the other pieces. Um, but I really I love it. <laughs> I do too. I love that one. I love the one that's so <laughs> playful about it as well. It's it's wonderful talking you. to you. I, I want to ask you one more question, Osako. Um, a little mm-hmm. off topic. What are you reading yeah. at the moment? What are you reading? Yes. Um, so right now, I think uh, I, I have a lot of interest, but like uh, mainly, I've been reading about um, um, Yuval Harari's book, the Sapiens book. Um, it's been a really great influence for me in terms of what it means to create a fiction and why it's so important. And I, I strongly believe um, that the storytelling, that the creating a fiction is is really the important uh, part of, as an artist, this is what I do. And, you know, I resonate with his idea about um, the homo sapiens we outrule the other sapiens because we had ability to create a fiction. And not because we had a bigger brain or possible thumbs, it was the ability to create a fiction and believe the fiction collectively. And that was the only way to relate to each other, 
one another in strangers. And to, to me, that's the really basis of why I continue to create this new mythologies. Um, and I think a lot of mythologies, which we call it identities and ideologies in a modern time, I think it really became a reality. The idea about capitalism, ideas of colonialism, everything is a fiction that we created it and we chose to believe in some point in our lives. And we're living with the consequences. Um, so to me, like, so, so he has, as a historian, you know, he has a, a really interesting point of view. So I'm reading uh, the Sabine's book over and over. Um, and also another book I'm reading is the, um, um, the he's a scholar of the, uh, the ethno studies in Japan. Uh, it's called uh, Yanagida. Kunio Yanagida is a really well-known um, folklorist which is really interesting that he did the real research of this anonymous stories of small villages. And, you know, these are all stories, but he made it as if it was the uh, non-fiction. And the point of his story is that these anonymous story is the most important part we can learn something from. You know, so I am kind of reading about this really interesting kind of a, a folklore stories and the places nobody knows. Um, but he, he wrote this book uh, uh, like 100 years ago. Uh, so I'm revisiting this old book uh, as well. Uh, Masako, thank you so much for talking with me today. I, I, there's links here so people who are listening can see the show. But I want to thank you so much for talking with me today, Masako. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe one more thing I can invite, maybe one sure. word. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, if uh, if anybody visits the, the Ryan Lee Show Sympathy Lab, I really want to encourage people to sit on the Engawa deck and go into the tatami floor because Engawa deck, I made it so that we have this casual socialization where strangers can have the first connection. Uh, so hopefully that you can just feel free to um, spend time and, you know, just go with friends and sit on the deck and uh, hopefully that will be uh, hope that, that, that I would like to hope that would happen when visitor goes there. So thank you. Thank you again, Masako. Thank you so much for talking with me today. Great. Thank you so much for having me. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. <laughs> 